Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Tech Guy is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Leo Laporte, and this is my Tech Guy podcast. This show originally aired on the Premier Radio Networks on Sunday, April 3rd, 2011. This is episode 758. Enjoy. You. Good to see you. Welcome, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. And it's time to talk about technology, computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, all the doodads and gadgets and G-Jaws that are changing the life and times of all of us imperceptibly, just like the frog in the pot of boiling water, imperceptibly, it's getting hotter in here. Phone number is 8888-ASK-LEO. If you're starting to feel the heat, <laughs> if you've got a little technology, whoa, you'd like to share with me, 888-827-5536. Toll-free from anywhere in the U.S. If you're outside the U.S., it's still toll-free. You just uh, just use Skype, Skype out, and you call that number because it's a toll-free number in the U.S. won't cost you anything to call it from Skype out. 8888-ASK-LEO. Did you get bit by April Fool's jokes on Friday, anybody? You saw Google's, uh, I love this, Gmail Motion. A good April Fool's joke, and this was a good one, fools you because it could be true. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody comes along and says, hey, that's a good idea. We should do gestures in Gmail. All you'd have to do is, in fact, I bet you this happens. You take a Microsoft Connect and hook it up to your computer. And I think the giveaway that this was a joke, if you go to uh, gmail.com slash motion, I think they still have the site up, gmail.com slash motion, and they have a little uh, video there. And the giveaway is they've got some sad sack who looks pretty much like, you know, remember Pat Paulson? (laughs) He looks pretty much like Pat Paulson. Uh, And this guy uh, is demonstrating the Gmail gestures. And he looks, he actually looks kind of depressed. He's got the short sleeved white shirt and the skinny little black tie and and that whole thing. Anyway, you could, you can tell it's a joke after a while. And that's the other, I think that's the other thing that's good about an, uh, you know, a good April fool's joke. You can tell it's a joke because after a while it's, it, 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 the joke becomes apparent. I think on, on this Gmail motion. It became apparent when the Pat Paulson guy, he's demonstrating how to, uh, how to send uh, an email. And if you want to send an email, you just, you just put your, your left thumb over your shoulder like you're hitchhiking. That's sending one email. Reply. Reply to all is two thumbs over the shoulder. But the best one is to mail something, you lick your fingers like it's a stamp and you press it on your knee. <laughs> that's not, see, that's when you go, oh, April Fool's. I got fooled. There were some really good ones this year. There was Think Geek. Have you, do you know about Think Geek? It's a great uh, catalog for geeks of just kind of weird gadgets and doodads. The kind of things geeks think are funny, you know, like T-shirts with the caffeine molecule on it. Oh, oh, oh that's funny. 
uh, or or sayings like, you know, no, I will not fix your computer. You know, that kind of basically a geek passive uh, hostility. But their April Fool stuff was great. Uh, the uh, I talked about this yesterday. The Angry Birds pork rinds, because <laughs> you know birds don't the Angry Birds don't like the pigs. So they, <laughs> they made them into pork rinds. The uh, lightsaber popsicle, the electronic butterfly in a jar, <laughs> flitting forever. Some of them are real, actually, and in fact, in the past, people have looked at. Uh, uh, Think Geeks April Fool stuff and turned it into real products. My favorite was, and I talked about, I apologize for those of you who listened yesterday, but I just love this, the Playmobil Apple Store playset. Now this this isn't real, but enough people believed it. I was getting emails from people saying, can you believe what Apple's done now? They've got a toy for kids that's an Apple Store. Where will they stop? It's actually great. It's got a little Steve Jobs up in the keynote theater, and you can, <laughs> I wish they would make this. You could slot your iPhone into the screen there and, the, and, and download keynotes from, uh, from, from the Playmobil site of, of fake presentations. There are little tiny iPads down on the tables and iMacs and little tiny MacBooks. on. <laughs> of course, why, why don't they do this? There's a little Steve Wozniak riding around on a Segway as well. This is just hysterical, but this is not real. Except that if if Apple would license this, I think Playmobil would in fact make it. <laughs> I love the I love the ad copy too. Awesome mini Apple store tugs at your wallet. You just have to buy it. Actually, somebody did make a uh, a Steve Jobs action figure in a little black turtleneck with the skinny black jeans and uh, the got a cease and desist from Apple. And so then the same company made a Mark Zuckerberg action figure, you know, the, the, the CEO of Facebook, the founder of Facebook, and he was wearing the little Adidas shower flip-flops that he wears. And I mean, it was perfect. Again, cease and desist. These guys have no sense of humor. One year, uh, Think Geek made a... Uh, now, I'm not... Okay, you'll have to forgive me because I'm not one of those Star Wars fanboys and I know I'm going to get calls and emails from the Star Wars fanboys for getting this wrong, but we have some people in the studio audience who I'm sure are geeks enough to know the answer to this. There's a thing called the Tauntaun, right? And one of them is that the Empire Strikes Back, they're freezing and they and they warm themselves up in the guts of this Tauntaun, which is this animal. It's disgusting. I don't rem- I must have blanked this scene out because I don't remember it at all. So Think Geek made a sleeping bag that looks like a tauntaun with fake stuffed un- entrails, and you get, in, you get inside it. Guess what? Some company said, that's a good idea, and made it. You can actually buy it. Edible gummy iPhone cases. They're protectively delicious. Eight delicious flavors. <laughs> you know somebody's going to do that. Why not? You get tired of your iPhone case, you eat it. They say they're imported from Korea. They have some interesting flavors. Fermented apple, kimchi, chili ginseng, fish lip. <laughs> that's when, I think, that's when you should be reading and say, oh, April Fool's and bitter flower. Mmm. Mmm. Did, did you get pranked? Any of you get 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 punked by an April Fool's joke you thought was real? I have to tell you, at whenever I 
Yeah, I don't like April Fools. I'm really glad that it fell this year on a um, on a Friday because I hate it. And next year it's going to be bad because it's going to fall on a Saturday when I'm doing the show, and I am going to have to at a split second look at a news story and judge: is this true? Friday, at least I had some time before I had to come and talk to you to figure out because there, you know what? There is nothing more embarrassing than acting as if one of these stories is real. You feel like such a fool. So I'm not going to give you any news. Because <laughs> what if it's true? What if it's an April Fool's joke? What if they fooled me? Luis, my uh, my board op says, never tell your mom there was an earthquake in California for an April Fool's joke. Did your mom freak out? She lives in Texas. Oh, my goodness, Luis, are you okay? Well, see, that's a perfect April Fool's joke because it's, it's credible. It's believable. The problem with April Fool's is it's not funny. It's only funny to the person who pulls the prank. The people who are fooled do not find it funny at all. They just, because you suckered us. Makes me, I just get so nervous. <sighs> did you see Google's YouTube? They did their, uh, quote, 100th anniversary. And they celebrate it with uh, viral videos from 1911. <laughs> It was pretty funny. They had the little piano music. They were silent films. It was cute. I don't know how this happened, but on Twitter, the Bronx Zoo Cobra took over Ryan Seacrest's account. Ryan Seacrest has 4 million followers. So that's a lot of people being fooled by the Bronx Zoo Cobra, which does, by the way, have its own Twitter account. I can't even, I don't, it's too complicated. I can't figure it out. That's the problem. The internet's made pranking just too easy. Did you get fooled? Let's talk about it. Maybe you've got a question about computers or technology in general. I'd love to talk to you. 8888-ASK-LEO. I am Leo Laporte, the tech guy. The tech guy. 8888. I always want to tug like this with this music. 8888. Ask Leo. Rocking and rolling. This guy's guess, guess I'm a frustrated rock and roll DJ. Super PC calling from the East Coast. Hey, Super PC. How you doing? Hey, Leo. What's up? Uh, Not much. Super PC does a uh, Ustream geek show. It's a geek fest kind of like this one. What's the name of it again? Uh, Fantasy Show Tech. We're not going live today. Right now, I'm trying to move my website back to my old host, so I might be down for a while to do some configuration stuff. But So try, try it again in 10 or 15 minutes. I've been trying to do that quickly so it won't go down because my old host is crud. But anyways, Desktop E is my friend uh, Rav from the U.K., he watches your show, I think. Hi, He's Rav. I don't know today. what Desktop E is. I saw your uh, your tweet or your email. What What is Desktop E? It's a remote desktop. He's going through Windows and the Mac. But oh, I did pop- see this. I saw this the other day. This is really interesting. Is it actually working? He, the idea is you could yeah, use a I, Macintosh I, I'm via a web page. Probably- 
I'm connected to it right now. Wow. Yeah. So you don't have to have a Mac. You just have to have a browser. Not re Well, it's basically using RDP technology. He's trying to set up web RDP. I'm not sure what he's doing for Mac. This is what he's doing for Windows. What's the what's the uh, what's the website so we can go there? Desktope.co.uk, but it's not finished yet. Interesting. He's going to launch a new one soon, and there's also I think Desktope.net might work. That's something else. That's like a little boggy setup. That's still not done. Well, that's pretty neat. Super PC. So he's looking for someone to host this. Or you're he's looking, looking for, for someone. like a like a good VPS or decade server host. He has Boy, like two servers right now, but one of them's like a trial VPS, and one of them's like a, a server on his cable connection at home. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do this on your cable connection at home, do you? I, you know, this is a tough one. People often ask me who's a good web hosting uh, company, and uh, if you Google something like that, all you get is a bunch of quote, review sites, which are clearly, if you look at them, being paid by the companies they're reviewing. So you can't really trust these reviews. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't want to cast aspersions against any particular one because I don't know, but it just looks, look at them. They just look, you know, they have a big kind of ad for their number one site, and then there's a big ad. <laughs> well, of course, you know, they're probably making money through affiliate fees, if nothing else. So it is very difficult to know who does good hosting? Uh, there aren't very many independent review sites uh, that you could trust because so many of them have ads for the companies that they're reviewing. Uh, there, the the only one I could think of that I like, and I don't know if it would be applicable to England, and that's part of the problem, uh, Super PC, is he's not even in the States, but is broadbandreports.com. This is a, a site that's been around for ages and ages and ages. And I think is is very reliable. It's certainly reliable in terms of finding um, an internet service provider. They also do web hosting, and you can narrow it down. Um, so, I think this is probably a place that he should at least start his search for. And the reason I like this, it's kind of like uh, Yelp, or um, uh, you know, one of the one of the sites where it's public reviews. That way, you're going to get reviews from real people who are really using the service. Even if it's a reliable reviewer working for a magazine, for instance, how reliable is their review going to be? How long do they have to test it? You really want somebody who's been using the service for a while. Uh, Baba in the chat room is saying there's one in the UK that is the equivalent of broadband reports. It's called thinkbroadband.com. I'm not familiar with this, but Baba says this is uh, this is good. Yeah, it looks that looks pretty good. So you might want to uh, check out one of those independent sites that really have some journalistic credibility. Finding them is not easy. I have to say, the chat room has a number of uh, uh, you know recommendations. Here's one I would agree with, and Space Guy's giving me this one. There's a company called Rackspace. We all know they're a good they're a good company, and they do this kind of a VPS virtual serving technology that you were looking for, that your friend is looking for. They call it Slice Host. One of the reasons I really like Rackspace, and I'm, I'm going to get off this in a minute because this is a very specialized topic that probably 99% of you couldn't care less. One of the good things about Rackspace, I think they support the open source community. They're fairly affordable, and you buy slices 
which are basically virtualized servers. So tell them SliceHost. I guess that's probably a good recommendation. Hey, thanks, SuperPC. Good luck with your show. Appreciate your call. San Ramon, California. Robert on the line. Hi, Robert. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, um, Leo. I have been listening to you for a long time uh, and try to adhere to what you say. Uh, but I, the other morning, clicked on an email I knew I shouldn't have. Uh-oh. And, yeah. I've got a Mac. I've got a Mac Mini, so I'm not you're running any virus. Right, yeah, you're probably all hmm? right then. You're all right. Well, yeah, I clicked on, the, I clicked on it, and I said, okay, this is a, it's a um, what do you call it, a, a drug ad. And I said, okay, this is not what I want. So I went to the... Uh, Email the guy. So wait, wait a say, minute. Let's stop think, here. Wait a minute. When you said you okay. clicked on it, what does that mean? You opened the email and looked I at it? I opened the link. You're fine. I op- well, I, well, the thing is, when I went over to Safari then to send him an email, all of a sudden I got a bunch of pop-ups. Yeah. Pop-ups it, aren't and anything. I tried to open up my Evernote because I saw it tried to, but it didn't have the password. Yeah. That's fine. Don't go so to that I site again. So I closed everything down and... Uh, there, uh, another couple little things happened, but I ended up taking it to the uh, Apple store and they ran their diagnostics on it. And I, um, they said, oh, yeah, something got in here because it wouldn't uh, finish. Uh, see, it said something got into the permissions and they couldn't fix it. So now I'm going and they said, well, we could run this on a on a uh, on North. Let me ask you something. Wait a minute. Hold on. Slow, yeah. slow down, Robert. Slow down. Let me ask sure, you some sure. questions. Did at any point, did the program ask you to log in with your password? No. You're fine. Okay. The way the, oh. the way, you're fine. Don't, I don't know what the Apple store was smoking. Oh. Not apples. Well, the, the, here's the issue. There is a, yeah, you want to know what an antivirus for the Mac is. There is one that they advertise with us. It's a company called ESET, ESET.com. You can install it for free, ESET.com slash Mac. It's called Cybersecurity for the Mac. Okay. Right now, there are there certainly are exploits for the Mac. We know that Safari was hacked in five seconds during the Pwn to Own competition a couple of weeks ago. So ah. there are exploits out there. Of course, Apple keeps patching them, but they're not in the wild. These are not. You're not going to run into these. Every all of these sites that you go to, you're right. You fell for you fell for something, which is you got an ad in an email and it had a web link in it and you did the one thing you shouldn't do which is you clicked on the web link right uh what that does is that it's nothing wrong with clicking on the link per se but it pulls your browser to a site that is you know populated by malware i mean there and there are millions of these sites out there and they try to attack your machine but guess what it's all written for windows it's not written for the mac Furthermore, I don't know of any exploit that can work on the Mac without asking for your password, so don't worry about it. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
this portion of the Tech Guy Show brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme, for high-speed internet at an amazing price. Call 866-2-GET-NET to get DSL Extreme. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Let me talk a little more about malware and getting infected, and particularly about phishing scams. This is the one uh, that you should really watch out for, Mac or PC. It's not malware. It's a little bit different, but it can bite anybody on any operating system. So our last caller was concerned because he got a spam email for Viagra or whatever, and it had a link in it, which he inadvertently clicked. It brought him to a site, and he got all sorts of pop-ups. That site was attempting to infect his computer. The good news is, in most cases, the these malware-laden sites don't even worry about anything but Windows. It's so easy. There's so, you know ninety percent or ninety-five percent of the machines visiting them are Windows machines. Why even try? Why even waste a minute writing a Mac-specific attack? It's not worth it. So the even though there are attacks against Macintoshes, it's not even worth it. Don't They don't even bother. Almost all these, in fact, as far as I know, all of these attacks are against Windows machines. If you did that on a Windows machine, I'd be giving you very different advice right now. You'd be in trouble. So be very, very careful about links you click in email. Absolutely. And if you're on a Mac, you don't have to worry about it particularly. There are, you know, ESET does make an excellent antivirus. Um called Cybersecurity uh, for the Mac. There's a, there are free ones. Sophos makes a good free one. But the, what you'll see with these antiviruses is they never update because there's, no, there's nothing to update. There's no viruses. So you, you, it's mainly if you're a Mac user, and this is what I like about the ESET product, it's about learning what not to do. And one thing not to do is click links. Now, here's a really big one that impacts everybody, and it's something a little different. It's called a phishing scam. You've heard of these. These are emails that look pretty real, that purport to be from a company you do business with. And they can fool anybody. They've almost fooled me many times where, you know, your bank will send you an email that says, oh, there's been a, three unauthorized attempts to log into your bank account. We're a little concerned. Uh, click this link. We'll take you to the bank. You can log in and, and verify uh, some details. Or Here's a good one. Click this link. It'll, it'll take you to the bank. Log in, then change your password for security. That's a good one, right? And you get scared because somebody's trying to break into your account. You click the link, you get to a page, it looks just like your bank's page. Without thinking, you log in. Oh, you're in trouble. Because it wasn't the bank's page, it was the bad guy's page, and he isn't going to change your password. He doesn't even, you'll get a, non, a non-existent page after that because he got what he wanted, which is your login and password to your bank account. Oopsies. Now, most banks are pretty good nowadays. They have multiple layers of protection. The best would be a login password and then what's called a second form of authentication or, uh, uh, you know, two-step authentication, something like, and I turn this on on my bank, and if your bank offers it, turn it on. It sends, it knows your cell phone number because you set that up when you set up the account. It sends your cell phone a passcode. It says, good, okay, you've logged in, but let me send you the passcode. It sends you the passcode, you enter that in. Now, unless the bad guy has your passcode, and the passcode changes every time, right? He can't get in. So even if you get a phishing mail and you do all of that, and the bad guy even gets that passcode from the cell phone because you entered it in, it's useless to him because 30 seconds later it's changed. Second factor, two-factor authentication is great. Gmail offers it as well. People don't do it because it's a pain because then you have to have the cell phone, you got to enter another thing. It's good, do it. And the reason I bring this up, there is a company called Epsilon International. It's... uh, Uh, permission-based email marketing service. 
The number of companies that do this have asked to advertise on the show, and I've turned them down because I really don't like the idea of email marketing, period, whether I give you permission or not. The theory on this is you, uh, you sign up for a grocery store card, and there's a little checkbox that says, is it okay if we mail you offers? And you say, yeah. Or maybe you don't notice it and just say, okay. Now you get junk mail from the grocery store through this company, Epsilon. I mean, it's completely legal. It's, it's, you, 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 you authorize it. It's permission-based, whether you knew it or not. Oh, guess what? Somebody hacked Epsilon. According to Security Week, Epsilon is revealing a number of companies that do business with it that have been compromised. In other words, if you, well, I'll give you the list. Kroger, the grocery store chain, TiVo, U.S. Bank, J.P. Morgan Chase, Capital One, City, McKinsey and Company, Ritz-Carlton Rewards, Marriott Rewards, New York and Company, Brookstone, Walgreens, the College Board, Home Shopping Network, L.L. Bean, Disney Destinations, and Barclays Bank of Delaware. So what's the big deal? All they got was your email address, right? Well, if you're a customer, let's say, of Barclays Bank of Delaware, watch out because you're going to get an email that looks very real from Barclays Bank of Delaware. I'm actually a customer, right? They know you're a customer. Oh, no, there's been a problem with your account. We'd, you know, maybe they, you know, if they're really smart, they'd say, hi, this is Barclays Bank. And uh, you maybe have read this in the news that there was a breach in the email system at Epsilon and, uh, and your account's been compromised. So if you would log in and change your password and it has a link and it pulls you to a site that looks just like your bank. And you say, oh, boy, I better change that. You type in your password, you type in your login and boom, you've been compromised. Home shopping. The thing that here's a couple of concerns. There's four banks on here: City, J.P. Morgan Chase, Capital One, Barclays Bank. That's a problem. Not so bad if you get somebody gets your Kroger's login. I don't think that they. Get, <laughs> that's not too bad, unless you gave Kroger for some reason your, uh, your, your something. In, I don't know. No, it's that's pretty harmless. Walgreens, big deal. They know what your your prescription is. Big deal. Here's a one that's really bad: the College Board. SAT uh, mailings are going out. There's all sorts of uh, little shenanigans I can see here. Now, here's the unfortunate thing. The companies that were compromised have sent emails. Many of you have already gotten them. I've seen some that have been sent uh, by my um, chat room folks who've received them. I'll give you the one from Kroger. The, the, well, actually, I don't want to read the whole thing. It's long. But these emails are, ter- are worthless. They do not tell you the real risk. Dear TiVo customer, we were informed by our email service provider your email address was exposed due to unauthorized access. We were advised by our email service provider the information that was obtained was limited to first name and or email addresses only. Your service and any other personally identifiable information were not at risk and remain secure. Please note, it's possible you may receive spam email messages as a result. We want to urge you to be cautious when opening links or attachments from unknown third parties. Wait a minute. It's not an unknown third party. It's TiVo. As far as you're concerned, it's TiVo. You think that the guy who's sending you this malicious email is going to say, uh, hi, Joe Hacker writing here on behalf of TiVo. No, it's TiVo. It'll look just like it came from the company. We regret this has taken place. Apologize for the inconvenience that may have caused you. We take your privacy very seriously. We'll continue to work diligently. All they say is be careful when opening links from unknown third parties. That's not the problem. 
I can't believe that that's the email they sent out. Kroger wants to remind you not to open emails from senders you do not know. That's not the problem. It's going to come from Kroger, you nitwit. Kroger would never ask you to email personal information such as credit card numbers or social security numbers. Well, that's good as far as it goes. Most of the time, that's not what will be asked of you. You'll be given a link that takes you to a site that looks just like Kroger. Then they may ask you for that stuff. If you did not re- if you receive such a quest, it did not come from a Kroger and should be deleted. What they should say, and I will say to you right now, and please th- pay attention to what I say, not what these companies, who are essentially trying to cover up how bad this is, say. If you heard the name of a company that you did business with on that list, immediately delete all email you ever get from that company for the rest of your life. Period. If they want to contact you, they can send you a letter. And whatever you do, whatever you do, do not, this is the real risk, do not click links in email. Even if you get one that looks real, don't click the link. If you need to go to Kroger, type it in by your hand into the uh, address bar. Don't click links in email. They're dangerous. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888, ask Leo. I hope, I hope you got the message. I'm just going to say one more time. The email you're getting from all of these companies, it's obviously boilerplate that's provided you know, by this email advertising uh, company, Epsilon. It's wrong. It's saying the wrong thing. It's saying, first of all, that be cautious when opening links or attachments from unknown third parties. That's wrong. It's just wrong. Be careful when opening links or attachments from people you know, especially those businesses. It won't come from a stranger. It never does. Because email is infinitely hackable. Unfortunately, the way email is set up, anybody can say they're anybody. It's just, it's, there's no security built into it. It wasn't designed to be secure. And so I can say to you, I can send you an email that looks like it comes from Kroger's. Anybody can. It, it can have the return address can be correct and everything. So the real key is be cautious when opening links or attachments from anybody, especially if it looks like it's somebody you know. Now, what will happen when you click that link in the phony email, the phishing email, is it'll take you to a site that isn't actually Kroger's or Citibank's or the College Board site. So it's easy to verify because you can look at the browser and say, well, wait a minute. That says hacker.com, not citibank.com. Sometimes they'll do it kind of cleverly. They'll have citibank.e0.com. So it looks like it's Citibank. It's the thing that comes right before the .com that you have to worry about. Not the Citibank part. It's the citibank.eo. EO is where you're going. Most people don't know that. Most people don't know that. So, so So that's why the advice I say over and over again is don't click links in email. If you feel that you're getting this legitimate email from somebody you do business with or a friend or whatever, hand type the address in yourself. Open your browser, look and say, okay, I'm going to go to Citibank.com. Then you know you're at Citibank. And if it's somebody you do, you know, 
business with. You give credit card numbers to that kind of thing. It should be a secure site. That means it should say HTTPS in the address. HTTPS colon slash slash citibank.com. Now you know you're secure. You can go even farther. You can, you can, it depends on the browser, but you can get the properties of the site and you can see the certificate. You can see if it actually is Citibank. Those things will assure you you are giving information to the people you think you're giving information to. So I wish they would have said that in these emails. They're not saying the right thing. It isn't unknown third parties at the risk. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Bob in Los Angeles, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Bob. Hi, Leo. How you doing? I'm great. Welcome. What can I do for you? Thank you. Well, you know, in, in my house, between my wife and myself, we've got two cell phones. I'm trying to figure out how to get rid of the landline. I know there's some... Uh, uh, there's options like Skype and uh, Google Voice, things like that. I just, I'm, I'm kind of confused by the whole thing. I just wanted a recommendation. Right. This is, this is something that a lot of people are doing right now. What they mostly are doing is just not having a landline and using their cell phone. Uh, well, that, that's fine for, for 99% of what we need. But uh, my wife has family in Europe, and the, it's too expensive to call Europe on the cell phone. So perfect. So in that case, Skype is a great choice. Um, Oh. It's free. It's free program. And computer to computer, it's free to use. Okay. So when my daughter was in France for a year, we would Skype each other. And I can see her. She could see me. We could talk for an hour. And it costs zero. Okay. Now, of course, they have to have high-speed internet access. You have to have high-speed internet access. Uh, if you want to see them, they have to have a camera. If they want to see you, you have to have a camera. But most of this stuff is pretty common nowadays. You can get, you know, there's Magic Jack and Vonage. There are a lot of companies that say they will replace your landline service with, with voice over the Internet service. Um, there are a couple of issues with that. First of all, 911 doesn't work. So if there's an emergency, you, you, you know, it's not going to work or it's going to work differently. Uh, secondly, if the power goes out or the Internet goes out, so does your phone service. The, the one compelling reason to keep a landline and a phone that doesn't plug into the wall, you know, doesn't have to have power from the wall, a phone that just plugs into the phone jack, one of those old-fashioned princess phones, the main reason to have that is for an emergency where all the power's out, but the phone company still has power, and you can still make a phone call. Right. So for the, for the most part, I think in the home, it's not bad to have Lifeline, kind of the cheapest possible landline service. For emergencies only, you have one handset, it's not a powered handset. It's sitting there. If you need to call 911 or there's you know a power outage, you can still make a phone call. And for the rest of the time, use your cell phones. And if you're calling Europe and you want video, use Skype. Skype, okay. Skype's great. I think Skype is, is easily the best audio quality, the best video quality. There are lots of other choices. I'm not crazy about replacing your landline with a VoIP service. Even ones from the cable company, you know, your cable company will... Comcast and Time Warner, all these companies will offer bundles that include phone service. That's also what we call VoIP, Voice Over Internet Protocol. And they all have kind of the same problem. If your internet slows down or stops working, they don't sound so good or they don't work at all. If your power goes out, you know, the the the, the cable companies now are putting batteries in your garage to kind of back it up. Um, so it, it can it theoretically will still work. But, you know, if the internet goes down and the power goes down, then you're really dead in the water no matter what they've done. I like the idea. I think for, you know, for pure safety, having a cheap landline in the house that you don't ever use, 
you know, the cheapest possible service and then use your cell phones. And, uh, and you can, you, there are a lot of choices, uh, alternatives to Skype. I don't, I'm not crazy about Magic Jack or Vonage or, uh, or all of those. They get you for a monthly fee. The, the, the sound quality is usually not that good. It depends a lot on your, your, your internet connection and so forth. Hey, thanks for the call, Bob. You're not alone. This is a, a, a very popular thing to do. And I would say most people under 25 now do not have landlines. They have one phone number that they use all the time, and it's their cell phone, and that's it. And I imagine as they grow up, there's not going to be a whole com- lot of compelling reasons for them to get that landline. If I were AT&T, I'd be worried. We're going to get to uh, Fred in uh, Richmond in just a bit. He, he's, he says on one browser, the sites that he goes to freeze, but on another, they work. What's going on, and how can he uh, fix it? We'll talk about that in just a second, but I have to, every Sunday, i got to do this. i got to mention Carbonite.com. i got to tell you to back up. Weekends are a great time to back up. Make it kind of your habit. Of course, you don't have to think about it if you're using Carbonite. See, Carbonite does it automatically whenever you're online. If you have a laptop, Carbonite's amazing. You can, you know, anywhere you're at a coffee shop or wherever, you know, you're on the Wi-Fi, it's backing up. Doesn't slow you down, doesn't slow the internet down, but it's backing up. So you always have a good copy of your data available to you anywhere just by logging into your Carbonite account. You don't have to wait till a disaster happens. You can use your iPhone, your BlackBerry, your Android phone, and just go to Carbonite.com. There's your stuff. So it's cloud storage plus backup, automatic. And I'll tell you, if the worst ever happens, you are set. We got an email from uh, Patricia Oglesby who said, she, you know, the computer guy wiped her hard drive because of a virus. She was a little freaked, but she said, I had Carbonite. Push the button on the Carbonite website, the restore button, and it's all there. I didn't have to think about it. Carbonite's very easy to use. It was great. I'm so glad that worked out for you, Patricia. I don't want to hear from you if you've got, I don't, I don't want that call from you saying, I lost all my data, Leo. Please, Carbonite.com, two weeks free. Please do try it for, for, for free before you buy. I want to make sure it works for you. Carbonite.com kind of depends on your bandwidth and so forth. Carbonite.com, use the offer code Leo. And remember that offer code because when you buy, you're going to buy a year subscription. It's $55 for all the unlimited data on your internal drive. So good deal. But we'll give you an extra two months on the 12 months. You get 14 months for the same price if you use my name, Leo. Carbonite.com. You got to back it up to get it back. So do it right with Carbonite. Fred in Richmond, California, listening to the great KGO. Hey, Fred, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. Thanks hey. for all the years of help and support. Fantastic. Hey, uh, my major problem here is all of, I'm a... Internet uh, browser user, Firefox, maybe every once in a while, IE. And since like for the last couple of months, I've been in my computers uh, when I go into my Firefox and I'm going to try to uh, visit a site, the site might come up and then it never loads. Just like I went on uh, uh, your site today and it just shows me that I have to load uh, uh, Flash or something and and it just stops. So it. Oh, that's. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's terrible. It's not you, but it's been happening to everyone. Well, believe me, uh, as a site owner, that's something you don't ever want to have happen. Yeah. And now, it now really... according to the call screener, it works on Opera. <laughs> huh? Yes, that's right. Uh, I do. I did use. Uh, I had a copy of Opera on there, which I rarely use. I turned that on, and it does. So I'm getting you today via Opera. And, Interesting. Just uh, brought uh, Norton 360, tried to install that, run it, and everything else. It seems like it works, but 
it hasn't fixed the problem. So I'm yeah. In fact, I would worry because uh, I'll tell you, I get a lot of calls for people who use Norton 360 whose internet access is broken because Norton 360 is quote protecting them. Uh-huh. Sometimes security software. You don't have other security software on there, do you? Uh, I just had the Norton. I have, I'm a Comcast customer, so I had the... Yeah. Sometimes the security... Uh, let's talk when we come back. we got to take a break for local news. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte here, the tech guy on the 199th birthday of the ice cream Sunday. We are celebrating on a Sunday. Talking high tech at 8888-ASK-LEO, 888-827-5536. If you've got a question, a comment, suggestion, you just want to talk about tech, that's what I'm here for. 8888-ASK-LEO. We were talking to Fred before the break. Uh, he's in Richmond, California, and uh, had a problem with some sites freezing in Firefox. Same sites in Opera are okay. So a couple of things I would try. Um, is it always a site with Flash on it, Fred? Uh, not really sure, Leo, but I do see some uh, uh, requests for Flash. or Make sure I have Flash, yeah. So one thing I would do is um, update your Flash, make sure that your, you know, Flash could be broken. So get a new Flash player. Um, the fact that Opera works, uh, maybe it would be a good idea to clear the cache in Mozilla. Do you know what that is? If you uh, if you go into the Mozilla settings, it's probably in the Advanced tab. You can clear the cache out. And w- what the cache is is actually a, a very useful feature. It saves bits of a website when you visit it so that when you go back, you don't have to get all of it, often the images and Flash files and so forth. If you have a corrupted cache uh, database that could be causing the crash. That would explain why you can go to the site on Opera, but not on uh, on Firefox. Okay. You know, my site I know doesn't have uh, anything weird on it. So tech, it's techilabs.com. That's that. That's that that site that you were going to that was crashing, or uh, no? I actually I'd go to TwitLive. TwitLive. Okay. Well, that's a big Flash file. That's a very simple site. It does have some JavaScript and it has some Flash on it. Okay. Um, I would I would guess it's the Flash that's causing the problem. So uninstall Flash and reinstall it by going to uh, Adobe's Get Flash site. Okay. All right. I shall do that. Thanks, Fred. And and I would also you know if you really want to test it, uh, get Google Chrome. Google Chrome comes with its own Flash. This Chrome browser is actually my favorite browser on Windows and Mac. Um, when you install it, it installs its own version of Flash. And one of the reasons that's a good thing is it does something called sandboxing Flash. Uh, Adobe's Flash, which is a plugin, it's a it's a thing that isn't a, it doesn't run by itself. It runs whenever a browser gets to a site that has some embedded Flash video or Flash animations. The browser says, I don't know what to do with this. And it looks in its settings and it says, oh, when I see this kind of file, I run Flash. So it goes out and it runs the plugin. Um, 
of course, that's an installed plugin and it could be corrupted itself. The real problem is that there have been bugs in Flash uh, that uh, Adobe's patched, but if you have an older version, you're, you're prone to this, that, that allow a malformed, a cleverly designed but malformed Flash video to corrupt your computer, to go to run Adobe Flash, the plugin, and then mess with it in such a way that you, the, the bad guy can run arbitrary software on your computer, computer including malware which then lets in other malware, and you're, and you're compromised. So Flash itself is dangerous. You want to update it. Same thing with Adobe Reader. You can create a malformed PDF file that's on a web page. Most browsers, if they see a PDF, automatically load whatever your PDF reader is. If it's Adobe Reader, which most, what most, most people use, it loads that. That PDF file mod, knows that there's a bug in Reader, takes advantage of that, and runs arbitrary software on your system, and you're, again, compromised. So it's absolutely important that you update all your Adobe programs. Adobe has posted fixes for those. There have been a lot of problems this year with Adobe Flash and Reader. And it's the reason that Google ships its own version of Flash, which it automatically keeps update, updated in Chrome, and sandboxes it so it's isolated. It's sealed within the browser. So even if you go to a site with bad Flash on it, it can't affect your computer. That's a very good design feature, I think. Uh, Google's really looking at security in a new way, and I think that Chrome is out is right now, I think, the best browser out there and is absolutely the most secure browser out there. So you might go to google.com slash Chrome and load it and just see if that works. If it does, it probably is the Flash. The uh, Another fix that's a good thing to do, and uh, we do a security show. Steve Gibson uh, does a security show on my podcast network, twit.tv, called Security Now. And Steve said the other fix is to turn off scripting in Adobe Reader. Adobe Reader has the ability to run scripts and arbitrary applications built into it. And that's, of course, the security flaw. If you turn that off, you don't have the problem. Or just don't use it. Eli, Cupertino, California. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Eli. Hi, Leo. I love your show. Thank you. And uh, let me proceed uh, my conversation by saying I'm not looking for cheap, but I don't want stuff I can't use. That's that's a good that's a really good attitude. I don't want to overbuy, but I don't mind paying for quality. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, as much as I can. Okay. So I'm thinking of buying a laptop PC so I can use it. Or we can use it when my wife and I travel, and I want to get a portable, minimal space occupying printer, and I need to use it whenever I can get a signal. But I, I want to be secure so that my account number at some fiduciary organization like a stockbroker will not be picked up by some somebody much smarter than me. And it should it useful for e-tickets, you know, forwarding stuff. And I only use a computer for Internet. So when you travel, you want to have the laptop and the printer with you so you could print out stuff. Even if you, yeah. it, could, it could be a separate printer that I can plug in. But, uh, so I don't yeah, have- most of them are. You don't. I don't know of any laptops with built-in printers anymore. But uh, there are Canon and HP. Uh, a lot of companies make Epson make little tiny uh, printers that you could pack up and take with you. I don't want any. I don't need the. Uh, I only use internet and email. Nothing exotic. But I would like a decent sized screen. And my wife was talking about a netbook, but I think a netbook wouldn't wouldn't do the job, especially when. No, well, it, it might. I mean, netbooks uh, are very, very low and slow. But for most, for web surfing and email, they're fine. The real issue with netbooks is one of the ways they keep the price down is they, they use kind of crappy components. They're, they're cheesy. That's what I don't need. 
Yeah, and you just told me you're willing to spend a little money for something nicer. Bu- buying a netbook is like buying a Yugo. I'm sorry? Buying a netbook is like buying a Yugo. It's it's like a it's yeah it's cheap. <laughs> that, that's this chief feature. So I don't like netbooks. And by the way, netbooks. I don't think you hear much about netbooks anymore, do you? I just, nobody nobody wants them. Dollars. Yeah, three hundred bucks. You get what you pay for. Yeah. So uh, I would say, you know, I'll tell you, there are a number of companies now. Apple started this, but there are a number of companies doing making these super lightweight, super thin. Full bore laptops, but they're very thin. Um, now the screens tend to be small. The Apple, uh, I I love the Apple MacBook Air. They have a 13 inch. That's the biggest. I have the 11. It's tiny, but you know, it's a very high resolution screen. I find it more than adequate. It's decent speed. It has a solid state drive, which makes a big difference in speed. So that's the one I like and recommend. But there are, if you want to use Windows, there are a number of companies that make excellent Windows. Uh, um, laptops that are thin and light and with bigger screens as well. The ThinkPad, I think, is a very good... The uh, ThinkPad, uh, I think it's a 201, is very good. Um, there are lots of good, very thin, very lightweight, long battery life computers out there. And then there are a number of very tiny printers. The Canon Pixma IP100 is very small. It's 200 bucks. It would fit in your suitcase. It's smaller than the laptop. It's tiny. And it's a decent inkjet printer. The only negative on these little inkjet printers is they're battery-powered, so, uh, you know, you'll have to plug them in. And right. they, go, they go through ink like a mother because, uh, well, there's not a lot of room for ink. Gotcha. But, you know, you're not, you're, it's light use. You're not, you know, you're printing boarding passes, so you don't mind that so much. And I want to know, what should I get with it? I, I am, in fact, I'm planning, in case I screw up, to get carbonite. So if that's a good choice. Yeah, that's a very good choice, especially for a laptop because you're moving around. You don't really want to bring an extra ex- external hard drive to back up with you. And besides, if you lose your luggage, you lose it all anyway. Um, yeah, I, I think you don't need to get any. If you're getting a MacBook Air, it comes with all the software you need, Eli. And you live in Cupertino, so you're just around the corner. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number if you want to talk about computers, the internet, cell phone, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, or Friday. What is, uh, what is, the, uh, what is the current count on, uh, on Rebecca Black's YouTube sensation Friday? Last time I checked, and this was a week ago, was 60 million views of this terrible song. But that's the joke, right? It's... Nobody likes it. Nobody's watching it because they love it. Although it is a little bit of what they call an earworm. It does get in your head. You do. It's kind of hard not to kind of hum it along, which is even more embarrassing. You know the story, right? So she was. She's thirteen years old, and mom and dad spent a couple of grand with a company called Arc Music Factory to create a music video. It's for her bat mitzvah. I mean, it's kind of a cute thing. Apparently, this is very common among the uh, wealthy set. 
Yeah, a couple of grand. Your kid makes a video. Oh, it's cool. It's, you know, it's cute. Terrible song. They ought to tune the heck out of it because she can't sing. Well, she's 13. I mean, it's fine. I don't expect her to sing. It's not. It was never intended for anybody to see except Arc Music Factory puts it on YouTube. And somebody sees it and says, oh, my gosh, you got to see this. Tells his friends. This is this is the worst thing I ever saw. And they two tell two friends, and they tell two friends, and they tell. And pretty soon, sixty-seven million views later, <laughs> it's the number one video on YouTube. Did you see? Uh, I was just watching um, on Friday <clears throat> uh, the Jimmy Fallon show, and uh, he brought in. <laughs> it's on. It's on the uh, on the NBC.com website. He brought in Stephen Colbert. And the band The Roots to perform and actually a very seventy five million views now. Wow, wow! To perform a very, I thought, very well, very thoughtful, <laughs> well done uh, live performance of it on his show. It's just incredible. What a world we live in. And Andy Warhol was absolutely right, didn't he? It was he who said, uh, "In the future, everyone will have their fifteen minutes of fame." He didn't know about the internet. He didn't know about YouTube, but he was right. And uh, everybody seems to be getting a shot <laughs> at this point. I do feel, I mean, she's 13 years old. I kind of feel for, sorry for Rebecca Black. Her life has changed forever. She will always be, oh, that Rebecca Black. She's going to have to change her name or something, right? She always, for the rest of her life. So I'm, we're, we're looking, we're watching. I'm watching in the studio with, we have a, a few people in the studio, Ray and Vance and uh, Tom and his son, Tom, and. We've been watching this uh, video, and and at the end of it, this is so geeky. It just shows you that YouTube can't get it, huh? YouTube culture has, uh, internet culture has pervaded mainstream culture. Uh, at the end of it, there's a guy in, <laughs> wearing sweatbands and a, and a sweatband on his wrist and his head, and he's holding up a sign that's what we call a QR code. You're starting to see these everywhere now. These QR codes are... Um, they look kind of weird. They look like a, just a, a square with blotches in it. Maybe you see them on ads. You see them in buses uh, and so forth. And it's because everybody now has these phones, these smartphones, where if you take a picture of that code, uh, it, you can interpret it. it. Actually, you know, it's like a barcode in a grocery store, except that the, this will usually it has either a text message or a website address, which you can then, uh, you can then go to with your phone. So let me just, I don't know, we're having trouble getting this code scanned in. Let me, let me try it here over here and see if I can get it scanned in. I wonder what it says. Probably just goes to NBC.com or something like that. Oh, what is it? Ah, oh, it goes to oddfuture.com. Huh. And what is oddfuture.com? Well, that's, that's the new way of, forget John 416 or whatever it was, guy held with the rainbow wig holding up the sign. Yeah, people are holding up QR codes now. And you're supposed to capture it off the TV. But he got a good plug in there. I don't know who that is, but that's interesting. Wasn't in the audience. He was on the stage. Must be a Jimmy Fallon site, right? Hmm. Maybe it's an advertiser. Wouldn't that be clever? Janet Castrovalli, you're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Janet. Hi, how are you? Well, I'm very well. How are you? Good. Um, are you familiar with the MS removal tool virus that's been going around the last couple of days? Yeah, it's pretty nasty. There's a number of those uh, going around, and uh, 
basically they they look like they're a fix for your computer, but it's not. Yes, and uh, did you, did I have it bit? on my laptop. I'm sorry. <laughs> Me too. I'm so sorry. So uh, tell me what happened. Um, well, it appeared yesterday morning. This pink box comes up, and it—I guess it's pretending like it's scanning. It tells me I have 38 infections, and yeah, uh, it wants me to buy their stuff. Yeah. And and I know it's all a ploy, and I basically just want to know how to get it fixed. At some at some point, you said, "Okay, I'll buy it," mm. right? No, Just didn't. having the pop-up by itself doesn't mean you got anything. Okay. It's, so unless you said, okay, yeah, you're right, I'll buy it, you're okay. Well, I'm not able Here's to- what happens. Here's what happens. Okay. Uh, there are, it's actually a real problem. Um, a lot of sites use a database program, I, mine do, called MySQL. And uh, this database program, as all software has bugs in it, it's not, you know, unusual. This database program had a bug in it that allowed a bad guy to put something bad on a good, a normally good website. So you'd go to a site that, you know, you would think is fine. It's it's a site you've been to a hundred times. Yeah. But they've been, they've been hacked. And the bad guy using this, they call it SQL injection attack, he put something bad on that site. Now, sometimes when the bad guys do this, they just put, ha, ha, gotcha. But sometimes they're malicious. And what they do is they put invisible software on there that runs when you visit that site. What that, And that whatever site you were visiting when you got that pop-up, that's almost certainly what happened. That site had been hacked. So don't blame the owner of the site, except that they need to fix that. Right. Uh, and that site had got hacked to do a pop-up. The pop-up by itself doesn't necessarily mean you got infected. Really, what the pop-up's point is, is to get you to click a link. You, you have bad stuff on your system. Click this link and buy our program. Two things happen. One, they get some money from you and maybe your credit card. Two, the program they put on your system to, quote, fix it actually puts more junk on it. Okay. But unless you said, okay, you're okay. Did you did you give them a credit card? Did you click a link? Did you download any software? No. I think you're all right. You're seeing what a lot of people are seeing. Now, uh, it go ahead. It just keeps popping up when I'm trying to check email. It it has slowed down my system tremendously. Hmm. So you got the pop up and it's on your system. Yeah. Okay. So that still isn't as bad as actually getting a malware infection, probably. Okay. When you re when you have you restarted your system? Yes. And it's still popping up? Yes. Then you got it. <laughs> then you got it. So the key that for a bad guy, this is what they have to do. They have to trick you into running some software. Or if you don't do regular Windows updates, sometimes they can get you, they can run their software without even you knowing. I'm not sure which happened, but Janet, I'll talk about what we can do to fix it right after this. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme, for high-speed internet at an amazingly low price. Call 866-2-GET-NET to get DSL Extreme. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. Janet is on the line. She got bit. She got bit. And uh, a lot of you are getting bit right now thanks to this kind of nasty uh, bug that's going around. It's, uh, it's a double hack. First, they hack the website that you're visiting. Perfectly legitimate, nice person website, just insecure. And uh, once they get their stuff on the site, then when you visit the site, it activates. You'll see a pop-up usually that says, oh, you've got some viruses. Uh, pay forty nine ninety five, and we'll fix it for you. Um, usually the pop-up alone is not enough to infect you unless you have other security holes on your system. So rule number one on keeping the system secure is always, please, always, every second Tuesday, Microsoft does a uh, patch Tuesday, they call it, and they offer critical updates, security fixes for your computer. Whenever you get a security fix, you should install it. So uh, if you're using Windows XP, Windows Vista, or Windows 7, turn on automatic install of, of updates. You've got to do that. If you don't do that, then you can get bit by this stuff whether you click yes or not. Because uh, they'll, they'll, there are other little beasties sitting on this website looking for those security holes and taking advantage of them. So I'm not sure, Janet, if that's the case, do you patch your system regularly? No. Yeah. So that's why you got bit. If you had been patching, then they would have had to get you to click yes. Yes. So, um, to be honest, the chances are this is not the only thing on your system at this point. Okay. Uh, so, there's a debate, a raging debate among the security community, of which I am the more conservative. As a conservative, my suggestion is you now erase your hard drive and reinstall. Restoring your backups, hoping you ha I hope you have backups. If not, you're going to want to make them. Uh, and, uh, and, and erase everything because you don't know what's on there. But there are those who say, oh, no, Leo, that's extreme. You can get rid of this stuff. So I'm going to tell you a couple of the tools that you could try uh, on your own or you could get a, a, you know, a repair shop to do these for you that may well work. The problem, and I'll just be very clear about this with with this kind of a solution is you're never quite sure that you're clean. Mm -hmm. The only way you really know you're clean is if you erase the whole thing. I, and I hate to do that. Now, um, the chat room is recommending a, a, a great site that has information about this called bleepingcomputer.com. Uh, this is kind of a, a free site that people have created uh, with tutorials on how to remove spyware and viruses. And, and, and it's as far as I know, the recommendations on here are good. Okay. Uh, this is a safe site, bleepingcomputer.com. And I'm going to tell you what they're going to tell you. There's a couple of different programs you can use for this. One that's very popular. Well, first of all, let me start with the one you already have. Microsoft knows this is a problem. And when they do the updates, now you won't be up to date on this. You, you know, you may not, this may not be a good solution for you, but in fact, it won't because you haven't got, if you'd have gotten the last Tuesday's update, uh, which was in March, um, you would have an updated version of Microsoft's malicious software removal tool. They actually have a program on your computer to remove this. Uh, MRT, they call it. So for this isn't for you, Janet, but for people listening who do run their updates, you click start, run, 
and type MRT and hit enter. Start run MRT, as in Tom, enter. And that'll run the tool and then do a thorough scan and that can remove a lot of these beasties. Uh, the better thing for you, if you can, if you can get to the site, is to go to a site called malwarebytes.org. M-A-L-W-A-R-E-B-Y-T-E-S dot org. You don't need the full version. You can download the free version. Okay. You'll probably want to, bleepingcomputer.com will explain all this. You probably want to start in a safe mode, restart your computer in a safe mode, then run the program, have it scan your system and remove the malware. If it starts to find a lot of malware, like if it's not just one thing, I suspect you've got dozens on there, then you might want to erase it and start over or have somebody do that for you. Okay. If it only finds the one, you're just very lucky. <laughs> you could thank your lucky stars. And then from now on, what are you going to do? You're going to run Windows Update, right? Every Tuesday. Every every second Tuesday. Actually, just turn on the automatic updates. What version of Windows are you running? 7. Yeah, good. I mean, the good news about 7 is Microsoft has put a lot of fixes in there. If you don't have uh, an antivirus already, I would the free one from Microsoft is good. It's called Security Essentials. That's Microsoft.com slash Security Essentials. And you can install that. We uh, Our advertiser, Nod32 from ESET, is really, really good and, uh, and, and absolutely, you know, bulletproof. Uh, I think you're going to be okay. The other thing that's really important, and Dan's reminding me of this in the chat room, is bad guys now know that people are updating their Windows. So they're, they're, it's harder for them attack using, uh, to attack using Windows vulnerabilities. So now they're looking at third-party software that isn't updated very often. In particular, and I mentioned this earlier, the Adobe products, Adobe Reader, Adobe Flash, and Java. All three of these have had in the last 60 days major flaws that allow websites to attack your system just by visiting the website. So you should also be updating your third-party software, particularly your Adobe software and Java. Okay. I would... I know. Isn't this annoying? What? That this happens. Is it so annoying? Oh, I have been dealing with this since, well, since late yesterday, and it's very frustrating. Well, I'm glad you called me, Janet, and and uh, and took it seriously, because a lot of people just put up with it. And what's what's happening is more every day you go online, more and more stuff is infecting your computer. Because what the bad guy does is basically open the door and say, "Come on in," and uh, and they put all sorts of stuff on there. Um, frankly, uh, most of the time what they want to do is not steal stuff from you, but steal your computer cycles. They want you to use your computer for one of two things, either forwarding spam mails. You know, spammers have a hard time these days. They can't find an internet service provider. So they just buy zombie computers, computers that are infected. And, uh, and they use those computers to send spam or they add your computer to a zombie army that they will use to attack other sites. Usually it's a blackmail scheme. They'll say to a gambling site, you wouldn't want to be uh, Kentucky Derby's coming up in May. You wouldn't want to be down uh, during that, would you? And give us some money, we won't attack you. The third way is it is probably the way that you're getting bit, which is it, it, the most recent, which is an, basically an extortion game. They blackmail you. They say, uh, first of all, install this program. You do, and then suddenly your computer stops working. You can't get online. You can't run any programs. And a pop-up pops up and says, oh, you really infected. 
for, for 50 bucks, we'll disinfect you. Basically, what they've done is they've, the bad guy has locked down all your data, all your files, prevented you from using your computer until you pay them 50 bucks. That's a very effective scam. Some people actually fall for it and don't even realize they've been scammed. They think, oh, I really was infected. Oh, that program really did cure the problem. No. <laughs> the program was the problem. It's, uh, it's, it's a nasty, nasty, brutish world, I tell you. I tells you. Judy is in Chatsworth, I think, may have a similar problem. Hi, Judy. Hi, Leo. Hey, um, I have a very similar problem um, as the previous lady, but it hasn't slowed down my computer. It's completely locked it down, and I do all the updates. <sighs> so you can't use anything. Right. I went onto my daughter's computer, which is a Mac, and um, you know we have several computers in the house. Hold, hold on, hold on. I have None to. Of- I'm hearing the magic sound, which means I have to take a break. So hang on. We'll get right back to you after this break. I want to hear this story, and I'll see if I can help you. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Laporte, the tech guy. I had a feeling this would be a bad day today. Uh, earlier in the week, uh, I saw a news story about what they're calling the Liza Moon uh, mass SQL injection attack. Well, I was talking about it a few minutes ago where uh, um, this attack on websites that are running a database program called MySQL. This is not on your home computer. This is on a, data, a, a website. And by the way, almost every website, including all of my websites, run MySQL. Uh, so this is terrifying. Um, this attack goes after these MySQL servers and uh, and uh, essentially modifies them so that they stick some JavaScript into every page they serve. So this JavaScript will then call a URL and say, give me some code. Code launches, runs on your system, and attacks your system. And if you're unfortunate, as uh, Judy apparently was, and a number of our other callers have been, uh, it will put something bad on your system. I just did a search for the little bit of script code that uh, that that goes that is stuck in. You can figure out how many sites are infected by this by searching Google for this little bit of code. Uh, it was twenty-two thousand sites on Tuesday. It was 694,000 sites on Thursday. I just did the search 89 million sites. I can't be right. <laughs> some of these sites are talking about the story, but, but some of them actually are infected. And you can tell because you'll see a normal site. I'm looking at a uh, normal site that has normal text in it. And all of a sudden, there's this little bit of, usually in the beginning of the site, this little bit of code. Those sites are infected. So, uh, Judy, it's not surprising you got bit. It be, it, in fact, it's amazing that more people aren't bit. When you get to this site like that, it tries to attack your computer, uh, and it sometimes succeeds, sometimes doesn't. So what is happening now with your computer? Well, I restarted it a couple of times, and I am in the lower right-hand side of my 
uh, laptop, I'm getting the message. Whatever I click on, it gives me the message that my the application can't be run because my ccsvchst.exe is infected. And it also gives me that same exact pop-up that the previous caller described. Now, I did not believe that, you know, it would cure me. I felt like it was a trick, so I didn't tell it yes. Good. It, it, but still, um, when I Googled a solution, you know, I actually typed in exactly what the, the little message was. I found something that said, you know, this is how you fix that. Get on the Internet, go to, you know, the Microsoft and it, it went through all, it described all this. The problem is I, I can't get my internet to launch. Right, right. It's broken your system. You're, I'm thinking that this message that you're getting is actually coming from your own security software. Are you running security software? Um, it has recently expired, but it does have the little shield that is from that company. That, and that's probably where the pop-ups, the little thing in your system trace coming up from, I would guess. Okay. So what it is, you, what may be the good news, well, of course you can't get online. That's not it's not good news. Now, I heard the lady before me say that it it's really slowed her down, and, and I'm wondering if I try to get on the Internet and just wait, will it come up in 15 or 20 minutes? No. <laughs> no. What these, what, this one is pretty nasty. What it's done is, uh, I think this is the blackmail variant. Uh, if you click that button in the system tray, it will pull up a, a site or a, a, a pop-up that will say, well, you're, you've got a bug, we can fix it. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. So you've got the you've got the blackmail variant of this, which is it's locking your system until you give them money. So do I give them money and then clean my No. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you do. <laughs> Cuz what they'll do is they'll you'll give them 50 bucks. Good. Now they've got your 50 bucks and then they'll give you a program that infects your computer worse. Oh Lord! You think they would? You think they would fix your system? Actually, Tom's in the uh, in the studio audience, and he says he has a friend who's been paying a yearly eighty dollar fee, <laughs> not knowing that basically what he's been doing is 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 paying a bad guy eighty dollars a year. So, there, there. Truthfully, I would say your best bet is to bring this to a a computer shop. But here's something you can try. Pretty much the same thing I told the last caller. Restart your computer in safe mode. Do you know how to do that? Uh, I I know how to do it on a desktop because it tells me in the beginning I have an older desktop. Yeah. My laptop. So it's the same thing on your laptop. Just restart it completely. You know, shut it down and then turn it on and hold down the shift key as it's turning on or the F8 key. Okay. And uh, turn on safe mode with network in that menu. Network. With networking. Uh, then if you're in luck, that didn't start up the bad guy's stuff. That's what safe mode does. It starts up with a minimal set of stuff. And, and then you can get online, download malware bytes or go to bleeping my, actually my advice is go to bleepingcomputer.com and read up on getting rid of malware. The truth is, I don't think you really want to do this, but this is what you could do if you want to save money. Go to go to malwarebytes.org, M-A-L-W-A-R-E-B-Y-T-E-S.org. Alternatively, you could go on another, you said you have a desktop, go there on your desktop and get it and put it on a, a, a USB key and bring it over. That's probably the best thing to do. Yeah, that's probably the best thing to do. Get that software, put it on the USB key, put it in the infected computer, still want to boot in safe mode. Uh-huh. 
and then run it from the USB key. Great. And see if it, if it helps me, right? Well, it will remove something. <laughs> it will remove a number of things, probably. But Shouldn't I just go to Nod32 at this point, and can't that help? It, it won't let you. It won't let you. One of the things they do is they block all antivirus sites. Okay. So once I take this step with the malware bytes, then I obviously need to get. Then you want to get a good, you, you want to, I would get rid of whatever you were using uh, since the subscription has run out. Get, get Nod32. Um, make sure you were doing the right thing, Janet, uh, Judy. You were updating regularly. That's good. Um, Windows 7, you said? Uh, no, I'm on XP. XP. Um, yeah, I would just, you know, you observe normal precautions. Do not click pop-ups that say you're infected. <laughs> uh, I, to be honest, it's very likely I, that at this point you have more than just a few things on your system. And you, what happens is that, that once they get into your system, they put other stuff on there. They, want to, they try to put root kits on your system. Those are things that are invisible to most uh, anti-malware programs. Um, uh, so that they can't even fix it. The truth is, it's very difficult. And I have this debate all the time with, uh, with so-called tech people who say, oh, I can clean any computer. And my question is always the same. How do you know? How can you tell? Is there some magic way that you can say this computer is clean? There isn't. And any security expert you ask will say, well, there's really only one way to know. Wipe the entire computer out. Reinstall from a known good source. That's the only sure way. And and how would I do that? I mean, um, the the software came with. I mean, it came loaded in the laptop. So if you didn't get any restore discs, probably did. It was one of those HSN Gateway specials. Yeah, you know, if you've got a tech guy or, the, or go to the Geek Squad at Best Buy, any good tech guy now knows how to fix this because it's so universal. In fact, you're going to get in line. There will be twelve other people at the store today. With exactly the same problem. All right. Well, at least I know it's not, you know, put it in the trash can or, you know, take it. No. Oh, no, 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 no. And you want to restore the whole thing. It's a perfect, the hardware is fine. It's just you need to wipe the drive. If you have, if you can't back up your data before you bring it in. Because they won't, they won't, you know, guarantee you their data is safe. So you want to, you want to restore your data. Okay. I know it's really a pain. It is. And and you're not alone. That's the. Yeah, I'm hearing I'm in a lot of company. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're, they're saying in the chat room, and somewhat they're right, XP is not the most secure version of Windows. It would be great to go to Windows 7. You know, one solution to this would be to back up your data and only your data, buy a Windows 7 upgrade disk and install that. Can I do that on my existing computer? How old is it? Two years. Yeah. Okay. You, yeah. It's it's fine. Seven will run well on that. May I make one suggestion to you? Yes, please. I have a BlackBerry, and I realize that that means I may not have the most uh, efficient phone, but in my desperation to call you, I had to find a phone with an alphabet on the number. I know. I know. <laughs> you know, there is a way to do alphabetics on, on a BlackBerry. You hold down the shift key, but it's not obvious. 888-827-5536. I have... I'm sorry, Judy. 
You're memorized now. <laughs> Thank you, Judy. Good luck. I'm so sorry this happened to you. Oh, man. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Laporte here, the Tech Guy, Hour 3 of the Tech Guy Show, talking about viruses. Unfortunately, there's uh, there's some bad ones spreading like wildfire. We can talk about anything having to do with uh, technology, though. Home theater, cell phones, love talking about that, computers, the internet, all that stuff. My phone number, this is for you, Judy, 888-827-5536. That's for anybody on a blackberry <laughs> or if you're on a regular phone 8888 ask leo actually you can type letters on a blackberry keyboard if you hold down the shift key and it'll give you numbers it's kind of a weird one isn't it 8888 ask leo 888-827-5536 we have a great chat room love our chat room you can find it by going to techguylabs.com that's the website there are there's no malware on it techguylabs.com and uh, clicking the chat link, uh, Adiman423 is in there and asks an interesting question. He says, where do you like your task bar? Now, on a, I, on a lot of my computers, but particularly on my Macs, uh, are widescreen. You know, they're 16 by 9. That seems to be kind of prevalent. In fact, a lot of PCs now have widescreens, I guess, to accommodate movies, right? And uh, so as a result, you have more real estate horizontally left to right than you do top to bottom. So on computers like that, Mac or Windows, actually, I I shouldn't say Windows because I I usually don't do this on Windows, even though you can. (coughs) Excuse me. On a Mac, I will move the taskbar over to the left side. And I also hide it. I do that on Windows, too. So it's not there unless I move the mouse in that area. And that works pretty well. So that that's what I do. But you know what? That's it's a personal computer. You could do whatever you want. Eighty eight eighty eight ask Leo's the number. Bob I'm sorry, Rob is on uh, Tarzana, our next caller. Hi, Rob. Hey Leo, I love your show. Well, I'm glad you listen. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a I'm a longtime listener. In fact, I remember years ago that Steve Gibson used to uh, recommend Drive Snapshot to for ghosts. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Switched over to a different program that he recommended. Yeah, Steve, I tell you, he's he's a moving target. I guess he is. <laughs> Drive Snapshot is fine. I don't I don't mind Drive Snapshot at all. I still use it. Uh, but one of the things Drive Snapshot is uh, less good with is uh, running within Windows. And uh, I'm trying to remember what he recommends uh, instead. These programs are ghosting programs. Basically, they'll make a uh, complete, cop, perfect bit-for-bit copy of a hard drive. They're very useful for things like restoring a drive. In fact, if Judy 
had made, uh, and I would recommend everybody do this if if you uh, don't have system restore disks, you can make one in effect by making a snapshot of your drive. If you know you're good right now, you don't have any viruses, you don't have any malware, everything's running just as you want it, make a ghost image of the drive because you'll never have to reinstall Windows again. All you have to do is restore that ghost and boom, boom, you're back back uh, running. Uh, Windows 7 does have this built into it, but uh, I still like the, the uh, systems that uh, let you restore without rerunning, reinstalling Windows, right? So if you use the Windows 7 system, I don't know, maybe, they, maybe they're self re- self-restoring, I don't know. Um, there's a couple of programs I do like. One is uh, called, uh, it's free from EaseUS, E-A-S-E-U-S. It's a backup program that does do a full ghost. Um, okay, Tech, Techzilla says you don't have to reinstall, so you can just run the Windows 7 image. That's nice. In fact, Windows 7 itself, the install disk is an image. Um was it Paragon? Was that the one Steve liked? I cannot remember the one Steve liked. Maybe it was Paragon. That sounds familiar. Um, Paragon Drive Imager. That sounds like the one he recommended. Thank you. And it's free as well. And a lot of people in the chat room are saying, Paragon rocks! Paragon-software.com hmm. And uh, yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure that's the one that Steve Gibson uh, uh, deci- uh, decided to use instead. If I have Windows 7 disks, do I still need to create a recovery disk? No. The, the difference between doing, uh, using the Windows 7 disk and using an image is the image is, is, has stuff, customizations that you make. Right, right. right. So all, it, let's, this is what I, I like to do when I install a new system. I'll install Windows 7 clean, do run all the updates, install drivers, so the latest drivers for all the hardware. I'll make an image. That's basically become my Windows install disk, and it's faster than reinstalling Windows. I just blast it on. Then I install all the apps that I like, configure the desktop with the, you know, the desktop pictures I like, the, you know, whatever customizations I want to make, and I make an image of that. I do that early because, you, you know, as you use the computer, the likelihood of having it have problems increases, and you don't want to restore a problem setup. So it's nice to have both the Windows and you know this is this is a luxury, but it's a nice luxury to have both the Windows Seven clean install disk and have a DVD that has a, a you know or a, a hard drive that has uh, the image on it uh, of everything. Absolutely. Hey, by the way, got a product recommendation. Uh, sure. You've talked about this. My uh, girlfriend bought the Samsung Galaxy tablet. And yeah. Loves it. I love it too, you know, and uh, and there's been a lot of um, negative comments. Steve Jobs said it's too small. There's not enough apps on it. It isn't, of course, the latest version of Android that's designed for tablets. But I think the Galaxy Tab is great. They're going to do a 10 inch one soon. That's what I I've heard. Been very ha- yeah, I've been very happy with it. I think it's a great it's a great product. Yeah, yeah, fast too. Yes, snappy. If you like Android, it's a great choice. I mean, I have to say, at this point, iPad is the king of the hill. There's no question about that. But I, I like Android, and I, th- I had a Galaxy Tab loaner from a Sprint for a, a few uh, weeks, and I loved it. And I know a lot of people have been very happy with it. Yeah, well, hey, Rob, I, thanks for what I've been hearing you say for, for months now, that 
that if Android is that big, eventually there's going to be more applications for Android products than for app products, aren't there? I think we're very close to that crossover point, actually. And I don't, you know, when I'm on Android, there are very few cases where I go, oh, I wish I had an app that I have on this on the uh, iPhone. There's only a handful of those. Instagram is one. Um, I can't think of anything else, actually. Um, there, I, it's true that the iPhone has a great array of photography programs uh, because so many people use the iPhone's camera. And, and and that less so on the Android, but that's about the only area where the Android is behind, in in my opinion. Hey, Rob, I I appreciate the call. Thank you. And and for folks who are on Macs who say, oh, I'd like to make a ghost, Super Duper is free and does exactly that. You can make an image, a bootable image. This is actually even better, uh, because you can get an external hard drive, plug it into your Mac. Run super duper. As long as that hard drive, the external hard drive is as big as the internal hard drive, run super duper. It'll format the hard drive, blast the contents of the internal drive onto the external, and now you can boot from that external drive. Keep that around. So if something goes wrong with your Mac, uh, you can you can hold down the option key, reboot, hold down the option key, and run the external drive. I do that all the time. If I if I need to, for instance, fix the internal hard drive or uh, if something goes wrong there, it's a really nice. Uh, it's nice to have a bootable. Uh, clone of your hard drive. Super duper. It's free. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's my number. I'm free too. I'm free too. So anytime you got a question or a comment or you want to have some hand-holding with the technology thing, you just call me. You can also visit our website. Also free. TechGuyLabs.com and click the link to the chat room if you'd like to visit some really cool folks. There are 944 of them right now in that chat room chatting away like crazy. 8888-ASK-LEO is the phone number. We will get back to the phones in just a little bit. Back to your next call. Mike in Eureka, Illinois, who is an Android developer. We'll ask him how it is these days. Back in a moment. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 88, 88, ask Leo. Ha, SOS. That's all we're getting today, isn't it? Let's go to Eureka, Illinois. Mike is an Android developer. Hi, Mike. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. How's it going? So, um, that's going great. So, um, you write for Android phones? Correct. Have you? Did you write for iOS or other phones before that, or is this your first cell phone software? Nope this this is the uh, first one. I figured I'd get into it since it's open source and uh, consumer friendly. And how? Now, were you a programmer before this? Nope. This is my uh, first. Wow! And uh, congratulations. That's great. Thanks. Now, in order to, in order to write for Android, it, one of the nice things about Android is it's completely free to develop for you. Download. Um, a, a software development environment called Eclipse. You download the Java uh, and Android SDK. You got everything. It runs on Windows, Mac, or Linux, and that was all free. And then you write in Java. 
And and uh, had you had you ever had you studied Java before? Was this all new? Nope, this was all new. Wow! Congratulations. How how long did it take you before you felt like you were up to speed? Well, um, I'll tell you the truth. I'm not all that great. Um, a lot of the stuff that I do, I have help with. Um, I have some developer friends who are fluent in Java. Um, but That's the best thing, by the way, is is to to have friends. You can ask questions. You go, well, well, I don't understand what this does. They'll help you, and then you can move on. It's a great way to learn. Yep. Uh, good for you. And, uh, you know, what happens with programming is it gets easier and easier. If you do it every day, it becomes like a second, it becomes a language, a second language for you, a second nature, and it becomes very easy to uh, to write. So what's your application? Um, I have several applications. They're all storm chasing related. Um, oh, are you a storm chaser? Oh, how cool! And oh, I, I see it here. It's a. It's called Torworn. Is this it, Torworn? Yep. With Torworn, you'll have access to tornado warnings, severe thunderstorm warnings, tornado watches, and severe thunderstorm watches. You get that information from the National Weather Service, and then the phone alerts you. Yep. And you've also written Storm Chaser Central, Winter Weather. <laughs> Storm Chaser, you've written a lot of stuff for somebody who just started. That's great. Yep. I'm impressed. Thanks. Well, uh, congratulations and keep up the good work. Is, 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 <laughs> that's really that's really fantastic. Awesome. I'm just uh, kind of looking for advice on how to uh, publish or uh, to get the word out there and promote my apps in the best possible way. Well, of course, you know that calling a radio, sh- a national radio show with millions of listeners all over the world is probably a good start. <laughs> That's my way. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but also, if, because you have a very specific audience, right? I mean, I probably am not going to download a tornado warning application here in Northern California. I'll be honest. Um, but you've got a fairly specific audience. You're doing Storm Chaser stuff. So my thinking, and you probably have already done this, is you go to the storm chasing uh, websites, the storm chasing forums. There, there must be forums for storm chasers, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I've done that, but the uh, I'm just kind of trying to look to expand because the uh, Torworn app um, is more targeted targeted towards the public who doesn't right alert. Uh, I would say, uh, it, you know, tornado season's coming. I would say you call uh, the Des Moines Register, you call newspapers in tornado country, and you say, hey, this would be a great public service. You might want to mention that there are numerous applications available for people who live in tornado country to get early warnings, like my application, Torworn. Uh, And I'm not kidding. They will write an article. They will write an article about you. They need an angle. But I bet you, if you live in tornado country, I bet you every newspaper in in the area has a few articles every year at the beginning of tornado season. And that's and that's you know you got, look. This is the 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 fundamental bottom line on this is you want to promote something, you go to the people, you go to where the people who would buy it or download it live. You go to where they are on the web, the sites they visit, the newspapers they read, and you. You know, get you. Sometimes you can just do it yourself. Other times you have to get permission from somebody. You might like make a YouTube video. You should have a website. You know, you got to have a, the website's key because people have to uh, be able to find more information. 
And that website can very easily link to, this is one of the best features of Android, the Android marketplace on the web. I love this. I, I wish Apple would do this. You know, one of the drawbacks to iPhones is you, you have to, you know, either in, if you want to install from a desktop, you have to hook up the iPhone to iTunes, buy it on iTunes and it'll download. Or you can, you know, go in the, you know, iTunes market on the phone, find the thing and download it. Frequently, I'll be in the, in the browser and I'll see an Android application like this. And I'll go, I'll go to the Android market, I'll buy it. And the Android market on the web then says, okay, what phone you want to put it on? I say, oh, I'll put it on my Nexus One. It sends a signal to my phone and installs it. And the next time I pick up the phone, the app's installed. I like that. I think that's a nice feature. Good luck, Mike. I think I think you, you've you've got a good little niche there for you. You've become the king of bad weather. Bad weather apps. Hey, folks. I do want to. We talked so much today about viruses. I thought I better tell people about Nod Thirty Two right now. If you're running Nod Thirty Two, you really you don't have a lot to worry about. If you're not, <clears throat> maybe you should. Nod32 from ESET, it's the best little antivirus out there. It is lightweight, it's fast, but it's also effective. That's why CNET just gave it five out of five stars. Editor's choice for antivirus. It's why the prestigious virus bulletin said that Nod32 hasn't missed a virus in the wild for 10 years. It's why I've been telling you for years, buy Nod32. Now, you can try it free for 30 days. Just go to ESET.com slash Leo. Uh, you can also call 866-935-ESET, 865-935-ESET, and get a copy. Try it for a month. You'll see it doesn't slow your system down. It's transparent in the background and yet giving you the best possible protection, including, and this is the kind of protection you want, uh, it watches for malicious emails. It watches for virus-like activity. If you accidentally click one of those buttons, Nod32 will catch it and say, oh, wait a minute, dude. Uh, that's trying to do something you probably don't want it to do even before the virus updates are out there. If you use Windows, you need not 32. I think that should be pretty apparent. ESET.com slash Leo. Give it a try today. Free for 30 days. Trey in Santa Clarita, California. Listen to the great KFI. Hi, Trey. Hey, Leo. How are you today? Fantastic. How are you? <laughs> I'm so happy to be able to talk to you. And I know my brother's going to be very, very happy because I, I called him with this specific questions I'm going to address with you. And he said... You gotta call Leo, and so <laughs> I, and that was just a couple of days ago. So he's going to be very happy with me that I called you. That's great because when my brother-in-law calls me, I said, "Oh, you got to call Trey's brother." So it works out. <laughs> oh, uh, gosh, where do I start? Um, I, I am an artist and an illustrator, and I have a brand new coloring book that I've put out, and it's on my oh, website. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, let's take a break because I'd like to hear more about that. Okay. And uh, and then we want to talk about getting you on Amazon, I think. So hang on. We'll get to you oh, next, okay. Trey, right after okay. the break. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
This portion of the Tech Guy Show brought to you by Carbonite.com. Backup done right. Automatic, off-site, and free. For the next two weeks, you try it. Go to Carbonite.com. Use the offer code LEO. You get two free months when you decide to buy Carbonite.com. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy, 8888-ASK-LEO is the phone number. And Trey is on the line from Santa Clarita. She's an illustrator, an artist. And uh, you said you have a comic book? What is it that you're doing? It's a coloring book. Coloring book? Yeah. And what's the website? It's um, www.tresetrae.com. Tracetrae.com. Trey's your name. Um, and you are Trey Trey. Yeah. Do I have this right? The Introducing a Botanical Coloring Book for Flower Lovers of All Ages. Yeah. How neat. Oh, I love this. Wonderful project. Yeah. It's all the state flowers of our, of our country, all the states, as well as our national capital flower and our national flower. So the D.C. flower and the U.S. flower, too. Are you self-publishing this or...? Yes, that's what's so exciting about this. And I, I'm learning so much every single day on how to do this. And now we're coming up to, I've got it on my <laughs> website. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to go to Amazon and have Amazon help sell. So, And I see you have a link. I have a link. This now, who? how do you get this printed? Is Amazon printing it? Who's printing it for you? This is a printing company up in Oregon. Um, they're wonderful. If anybody is in Eugene, Oregon, I highly recommend QSL Printing. Do you buy a certain number of books and Amazon? How does it work? Well, I I had the printer print up for me uh, 750 books, and then I had 715 books sent to Amazon, and Amazon is going to fulfill the orders for me. Um, That's nice, because the last thing you want to do is be packing up books and mailing them. Right, right. How much do they charge you to do that? Um, let's see. Is it a percent? Um, I can let me pull off the top of my head. It's fifteen percent. Oh gosh, I should have that for you. That's all right. You don't have to get it exact, but it's like it's a buck or two. Yeah, about three or so. Three, three bucks. And then if you, and you're charging twelve, so you get nine. That's a good deal. Yeah, I think I get a little way that's working. Now, if that's where it is right now at the beginning stages, the more volume that you sell, then you make a, a potentially another dollar. So there's a lot of perks in there. And there's volume. a lot, you're paying Amazon for more than just stamping it and mailing it. You're paying them for their reputation. So if people feel comfortable buying it from Amazon, because, oh, it's Amazon. You know, it's not some fly-by-night service. They offer Amazon Prime, which I'll tell you, as a Prime customer, you know, I pay the 75 bucks a year to get overnight shipping from Amazon. As a Prime customer, that's a big deal for me. I want, you know, I'll buy, if something's available Prime, I'm much more likely to buy it. Because it's just a click. I, and this is what's so great, Leo. So I'm, I'm all excited. I get it shipped. We go out to dinner, celebrate with my husband and everything, and I think that's it. Cause I'm, and I'm learning how to be a publisher here. I realize that... <laughs> yeah, now the money just starts rolling in. Step three, profit. <laughs> but I need to do a lot more work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Leo. So Well, so see, here's the interesting thing. Here's what happens. Uh, you know, in the old days, uh, in order to get a book published, and I know because I've written 13 of them, in the old days, what you'd do <clears throat> is you'd, uh, you might write a chapter and an outline. Some people wrote the whole book. And now you either get an agent or you do this yourself. You pound the pavement, try to find somebody who says, well, all right, maybe we'll publish this for you. 
Here, kid. <laughs> Here's an advance, if you haven't written it yet. Usually a small number, a few thousand dollars. And when we start selling the book, we'll give you a small percentage, usually around, you know, 10, 15, but sometimes less uh, percent of. And by the way, the percentage is not of what the selling price of the book is. It's the percentage of the cost to the bookseller, so which is usually one half the retail price. So you're going to get in typically 5, 10, 15 percent of one half of the retail price. So if it's $25 book, you're going to get. 10% of $12.50, you're going to get a buck twenty-five a book. That's what you get. And they subtract the advance. So most of the time, authors make at best, if they're lucky, if there's if there's sales, they'll make a few thousand bucks, maybe five, ten thousand. A bestseller is going to make more, of course, but most books are not bestsellers. What the book publisher does for you is a few things. They print it, they edit it. They might hire an illustrator if you uh, if they're not talented like you, Trey, and can't if I can't do my own illustrations. Uh, they might hire uh, other people. There's, for instance, my books all have indexes. Well, that means they have to hire an indexer that does the index in the back. Uh, once they've got the book all printed up, then they go from bookstore to bookstore because it used to be in the old days the only way you could sell a book is getting it in a bookstore. Now we've got Amazon; it's not such a big deal. But they'd go to bookstore to bookstore, and they might even promote it. If you're a big-time author, they might send you on a book tour. You go from town to town and talk to the radio host in each town and try to promote the book. So that's what a publisher did. It's kind of like analogous to the record industry or the motion picture industry. You get somebody with deep pockets who takes a flyer on you, who invests some money in you, hoping to make that money back. Well, the world has changed, and you're a perfect example of this. First of all, you don't need the publisher to print it anymore. You can print it yourself. In fact, you you did a more expensive thing than what I usually tell people is go to lulu.com, L-U-L-U.com, mm-hmm. or in your case, because it's an art book, go to blurb.com. These are uh, self-publishing sites that do print on demand. You know, the problem for you is you had to have some capital to print those first 700 or 800 books. Mm-hmm. With Blurb and Lulu, you don't need any money in your pocket. You just send them the text or in your case the illustrations and they will print the book on demand so somebody can go there and buy the book and they won't print it till they buy it which means no money out of pocket for you they of course take a cut they'll do fulfillment you can even have it a lulu will put it on amazon and other places like that so for most people if i were writing a novel and i couldn't get a publisher i would definitely go to lulu and have it printed what are you missing from this equation? The same thing you miss in the record industry. You don't have somebody promoting. You, you're not, you're not, well, you don't need to get in bookstores. Thank goodness we don't have to do that anymore. You just get it on Amazon. Anybody can do that. Yeah. Uh, but you're not, but you, you don't have a book tour unless you pay for it yourself. You don't have an, a, 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 you know, PR rep uh, trying to put out press releases. You don't have any help marketing. And that's interesting, isn't it? You've solved all the problems except that. Well, that's it. And now it feels, and when you go, when you go to Amazon right now and you put in search, if you put in my name, it'll come right up or the, mm-hmm. the book and mm-hmm. different kind of words like Nevada State. Well, the problem with state flowers is that's a pretty generic term, isn't it? Yeah. So you're not going to show, I mean, even on Google, if I, if I enter on Google state flowers of America, I'm not going to find your book. I mean, I will somewhere buried in there. Let's see. I'm going to go to State Flowers in Books on Amazon. Let's see if I can find your book. Mm. Come up. Unfortunately, that Annika Bernhardt did this. Oh, and then there's Anophelia Dowden. 
And Benjamin Shearer, who are all these people? They're not Trey. I don't want that. I want Trey. There it is. So you're five books down. Now, that's if you put in the state flowers, Leo. What happened? I have to ask some some computer questions, so I I sound like I'm learning here. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Search inside the book option is what I added on, where you can kind of click on it, and then it'll... I like that. Yeah, you've got the look inside. By the way, that that, that Annika Bernhardt doesn't do that, so that's a little advantage you have. People can try before they buy, and I like that feature. I think that's really a good idea on your part. Now, the way I understand the optical character recognition software is mm-hmm. scan all the words in the book, and then when someone types in, say, you know, Maine or Pinecone and Castle or, you know, Kansas Sunflower, then, and then book, then I thought my book would be part of that result. Because on each page on the end. No. No, unfortunately not. I mean, what all of this all this does is gives people a preview. I don't know if they put the search stuff in there. Trey, hang on, because I, I want to help you some more. I love this idea, and I want you to do well. We'll come back in a moment. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Trace Trey, I like this. Winding down the Tech Guy show for another weekend. We'll report the Tech Guy here. We've been talking to Trey. I'm sorry I'm taking so much time with you, Trey. But I just think it's an interesting thing because I think a lot of people have dreams like this of, oh, I'd like to publish my my book or I'd like to to make a a CD or I'd like to make a movie. And now you can. I mean, the the tools are there. Um, The Internet is your distribution medium. The, the 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 nut to crack the little the, the problematic area is this marketing issue. That's what people call me all the time and say, "How do I get the world to know?" And you know, Trey, it's all it's all kind of unique to what your particular field is. Somebody in the chat room suggested, I think you're absolutely right. Contact schools, preschools. Say, wouldn't you love to have this? Mm-hmm. Uh, school boards, you know. I mean, uh, but I think that you are on the right track. Now you got to do what you've done already, which is you get a website. Uh, you go around. I mean, you're on Amazon. I don't know what more you could do. Well, that's why I'm calling just to see if if I've if there's any more I need to understand or any way I could. Um... There's a guy who wrote a book. Pardon? There's a guy who wrote a book that is still germane all these years later, named J. Conrad Levinson. He coined the term guerrilla marketing. Boy, well, he was ahead of his time. Uh, it's all about marketing your product, service, or yourself um, using unorthodox tools uh you know you don't have a million dollars to buy a billboard well you don't need one use guerrilla marketing he has a website gmarketing.com he has a lot of books and of course he wrote these books originally before the internet but now it's even more appropriate and he has books called guerrilla marketing on the internet guerrilla social media marketing there are better and better tools than ever on how to do this mm-hmm. there's so much to learn leo so much to learn. I know. Now, here's another tip. Uh, actually, uh, Tom Laurie is in uh, the studio audience with me today. He uh, he uh, is uh, kind of an entrepreneur in medical technology, but he also 
says he's one of the top 1,000 reviewers on Amazon. I didn't know Amazon ranked reviewers. You write a lot of reviews, Tom. Is that how you got there? So he suggests that you get reviewers to write positive reviews of your book. People pay attention to them. I know I do. I won't buy a book until I read the reviews. They're really important. Do you have reviews of your book on there? There's there's a review on there. We've just started. We've got a good one. Good. Yeah. Now, what you don't want to do is have your friends and family write reviews. That's bad. That's 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 bad form. What you want to do, though, so actually, Tom, pull up that microphone that's that's right there. I don't know if you can see the uh, edge of it there because I can put you on the air. And I, I got to ask you how you do this because you obviously know about it. You say there's something called a, a vo- <laughs> I don't know how you're going to reach. The- you don't need the headphones, just the microphone. So, Tom, how do you how do you uh, what is this Vine program? The Vine program is uh Amazon has a group of reviewers. They call their Vine reviewers. Every month, I get a list of over 300 books that I get to choose from. Oh, that's interesting. And so Amazon's encouraging this. Yes, and the reviewers have to review 80% of the books they receive, or they will no longer be eligible for any more products. Now, how do you get Amazon to get you into the Vine program as an author? You, you just contact there is a website. If you go to Amazon.com uh, and, and search for Amazon Vine, <laughs> look at this. <laughs> I just, I, I, it's, oh, actually, this is me, isn't it? Most recent reviewed item, viewed items, State Flowers of America by Trey Munn. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but, but now, so it's a program that enables a select group of Amazon customers to post opinions about new and pre-release items to help their fellow customers. So, boy, wouldn't that be good? Contact Amazon and see if you can get in the Vine program. You think they have to pay for that, uh, no, Tom? They, no, they have to give the books for free. To the reviewers? To the reviewers. Okay. And I'd also recommend that she get more than one reviewer to review her book. You and bet. The, and the way you do that is go on to Amazon, find other books that are similar, uh, find out where they are located, and send them books directly oh. and ask them so to So look it. at the reviews on a similar book and find those reviewers, send them an email, say, hey, would you like my book? And they'll review it. That's a great idea. Thank you, Tom. Really, That's a great tip. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. Well, <laughs> we all want to help each other out here, you know? You know, yeah. you asked the question at the beginning, Leo, for me to help the people who are listening that just want to do something special and sell like this on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, the way, if you go on here, there's they'll give you a seller central area where you can either sell professionally or just sell your stuff. I chose the professionally, so I have unlimited sales for thirty nine ninety nine a month. And oh, that's good. The, the percentages are a little different depending on what you're selling, but I just wanted to make sure it's pretty easy to get here and people can look at that. And the, I really enjoy working with Amazon. They've been very helpful. Well, you've already got two five-star reviews. That's a good start. And, uh, and I would also say, you know, you've got this Trey Munt page. Amazon has a page for all of its authors. It was one thing I never did as an author, but I would suggest you actually post some stuff there. Use that. signed up for that. So I good. do. Good, yeah. There's Amazon gives you a lot of tools because, of course, it's in their interest, isn't it? They want they don't want to have all the good books go to Ballantine and Viking. They'd like the they'd, they'd like some of those for themselves. They get to keep more of the money that way. Trey, good luck, good luck. I think this is a wonderful idea, and I want you to do well. I want everybody to get a chance uh, to do well uh, selling whatever it is, or or just putting it out on the internet. Uh, you're smart because the best thing to do is send people to your website. That way you'll get a little affiliate bucks as well as uh, the royalty when you sell through Amazon. dot com. Good luck, Trey. I think that's great. We're going to take a little break. Come back. Steve is on the line from Cyprus. 
He uh, says his address book was hijacked on Yahoo. This is another big scam. I want to talk about it in just a bit. Before I do, let me remind you, with all the bad stuff going on out there, that a backup is a key portion of your online defense. If you don't have a good backup and the worst happens, you could lose everything, not just you know access to your hard drive and your software. You could lose your, your precious data, your financial records, your emails, your pictures. The baby pictures you don't want to lose. That's why Carbonite is so great. Carbonite's automatic backup off-site. So it's not next to your computer. So if the worst happens, you can, you can get it back. You don't have to worry about that. We got a great testimonial from Patricia Oglesby. We got a really bad virus, she writes, and the computer guy couldn't save anything. We had to wipe the drive. And I'm thinking, I hope Carbonite works. She said, I take it home, plug it in, push restore on the Carbonite website. It all starts coming back. It just kept going, and it was all there, and it was all in the right place. Carbonite just did all that, and I didn't have to think about it. Yay. I'm so happy for you, Patricia. I would like that same great outcome for everybody who listens to this show. But it won't work unless you go to Carbonite.com right now and sign up. Try it free for two weeks when you use my name, Leo. If you decide to buy, you'll get that 12-month subscription. It's $55 a year, very affordable, for unlimited backup, everything on your internal drive. And if you use my name, Leo, when you buy, you get a 14-month subscription for the price of 12, two extra months. Carbonite. You got to back it up to get it back. So do it right and don't put it off. You've heard me talk about it before. You've been saying, yeah, I'm meaning to do it. Do it now before the worst happens. Carbonite.com. Offer code Leo. Steve in Cypress, California. Hi, Steve. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. How are you? Well, my friend, how are you? I am, uh, well, not so well. Uh, let me just, we're almost near the end of the show. Let me run this by you quick. Is, yes. I'm a techie, and, you know, I help certain friends. I'm their personal technician at their beck and call. I had a call about six weeks ago, and my friend's account on Roadrunner got hijacked. And I wasn't sure what got them, but I just, uh, you know, made them get a new email address and make a sub-account and then tell all their friends and, and took care of that. Good. Now, now, six weeks later, I have my email address book hijacked, but I don't have anything on my computer. I strictly use Yahoo, Yahoo Mail with att.net, and they recommend you change your password, make sure no sub-accounts, run a virus scan, all of that stuff, and then... Also, you know, I checked my outbox, nothing, sent box, nothing, and no new sub-accounts. But uh, the email that gets sent out looks like it's from me to my friends, and so now I'm going into spam folders for some of my friends, and I'm in love with my email address. I don't want to change it. You don't have to change it. All you really have to do is uh, do what you've done and continue to use your email. And, uh, you know, if I don't think your friends are going to put it in the spam account. Well, that, that has happened, but... Now, you know, I'm a techie, so I, I uh, recently was just at a seminar on this stuff, and they mentioned Aurora had hit uh, some of the big sites. I'm thinking that nothing happened on my computer, that this stuff happened out on in the servers. Is well, that possible? it's very common to have a Yahoo email account be hijacked. Uh, there are a number of ways to do it, usually involving your secret question, not necessarily involving uh, your personal system. It's happened to me, not personally, but it's happened to friends of mine, and I've got an email from them purporting to be from them saying, oh, I got, hij- I got mugged. I'm in London. I got mugged. They stole my money and my passport, and I can't get home. Please send me some money, and when I get home, I'll repay you. I'm smart enough to know that's bogus, but my wife actually, 
sent a panicked email to me saying our gardener got hijacked and got mugged in London and we got to send him some money. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> the only thing that got hijacked was his Yahoo mail account. So, but if you change the password, change the secret question, all the, all the, all the credential stuff, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Change it regularly, though. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Have a great geek week, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs> 